Welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. So, um, I have a very special guest. Um, I know I say that all the time. Um, it's kind of like people are becoming less special, right? No, seriously. Um, so this guy is someone that I've known for like probably like two, maybe three years at this point. I'm not really sure. He's looking at me all weird, like I don't know. Um, but men out on recruiting duty. Um, someone that you hear about because on recruiting duty you really don't have the time to meet other people throughout the state you kind of just meet them once a month um and i remember when he first came out on the duty he was one of the many people that i looked at and i was like bro this guy's gonna kill it um just like my man torres um him too same thing i was like hey the two of these guys are gonna kill it and um he did you know now he's a boss um he's doing great things for him and his career um sorry about the dog um and <clears throat> you know one of the reasons why i wanted to have him on the show um is just because he's you know, he's dealt with sobriety in the Marine Corps. Um, he's now, I believe, four years clean. He'll go through his story. Um, but, you know, just talking about how he's, you know, in a, he's a Marine. He's in the Marine Corps, surrounded by alcoholism, surrounded by people who, you know, drink daily or heavily um, in the Marine Corps. And just kind of talking about his story and, and, you know, why he does that. So without further ado, um, Jackman, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. <laughs> uh, my dog is uh, extremely infatuated with you. It's very strange because nobody is ever as close as you guys are. Um, so I apologize right now if you hear a lot of wagging of tails. You can't do anything about it, so just deal with it. But um, so kind of just tell us a little bit about, you know, who, who Jackman is, you know, where are you from, uh, kind of just the background of, you know, why did you join the Marine Corps and, you know, why are you still in the Marine Corps to, at this time? All right. So uh, born in Massachusetts, grew up in Maine mostly, um, super small town, no one's ever heard of. With one blinking streetlight, and that's it. Uh, um, and it's a blinking streetlight. Yeah, blinking streetlight. Just mm. flashes red. That's it. <coughs> um, actually, we got a gas station called the Boonies. The so the Boonies. And that's uh, that's the gas station we go to. But um, enlisted out of high school at 17. It was kind of weird because recruiting, it's always the dads are for it, moms are against it. It was flip flopped. My mom was always for it. She was always pushing me to do it. Um, it was the army at first, and then because uh, her biological and her adoptive fathers were both in the army, so that's all she really knew was that. Um, started talking to a Marine Corps recruiter my senior year, kind of was his nightmare because I led him on for probably about six months. Now looking back on it, it was a uh, was messed up for me to do. <laughs> <laughs> now being a recruiter and now a staff NCO, you're like, bro, I hate those kids. Yeah, because you're, you're counting on that one guy, like, hey, he's almost ready this month, he'll be ready this month. And, and you keep uh, telling your boss that. You're yeah. like, hey, boss, I got this kid, I got this kid. And then all of a sudden, six months later, it's like, you know what, bro? Whatever, man. Yep, so I was, whatever, that, so whatever I was, that, right. I was that one. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was an alpha, a three-sport athlete. So that's and a, a first senior from my school. So that's what they were, they were tracking down that. Um, what sports did you play? I wrestled for 10 years, uh, played football for 10, and played lacrosse for two. Oh, okay. So um, so you just kind of always were in the physical shit? Yeah, I was always, always in. Playing. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask next if I curse, so that's all right. Yeah, so that's all right. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so it was either I was always working out or into sports or something like that. Um, yeah, so my dad was completely against it. I'm his only son. So even when we were signing, I still remember we were in the, uh, in like the guidance office, uh, my senior year, my mom signs, my dad signs his first name, he's like, are you sure? And I was like, absolutely. So then he signs his middle name, he goes, are you sure? I, I can stop right now. I was like, dad, just sign, just sign the freaking papers. 
the Tampa papers were all laughing. He wasn't too happy about it. Um, yeah, graduated a couple months later and shipped straight off summer shipper. Well, you did the you did the paperwork in the school. Yes. Why? We signed PCs. Did they just were they more comfortable with your parents? Like, um, do, you, do you know why? Or? No, I think it was just more convenient because oh, okay. uh, the office was forty five minutes away. Ah, uh, makes sense. So it'd be like somebody coming. He from must have had China. really good rapport with that school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean the the vice the assistant principal was my football coach. Okay. They all knew me. Everybody loved me in the school, so I just strode right in. Word. Uh, which was yeah. Looking back now. That's super crazy to do package prep and PCs in a school. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what my recruiter must have done. They must have liked them. Or yeah, liked and on top kid. of that, like, was your, did you, like, so your parents, your mom, you said, was very supportive. Your dad was like, eh. What about the school, though? Like, you're a top athlete. They weren't, like, trying to get you to go to college or do any oh, of those no. things. Um, yeah, I told them the beginning of my senior year I was going to the military. Um, then, so you made it known from the jump then. Yeah, so they, I mean, the guidance team, they they made an effort to try to tell me to apply to all these schools in case the military didn't didn't fall through but or did fall through I told them it, it wasn't like I had my heart set on it and that what, was it. what made you inevitably join the Marine Corps rather than the Army was there like a, a, a um, distinction was it the recruiter was it it was I mean looking back as now on recruiting duty parents teachers guidance counselors they all ask us uh, you know the same thing you know why why do you do it so looking back I always wanted like I always looked up to like the, the warrior aspect of everything. Um, you know, playing soldier and stuff out in the woods and, you know, different war movies and even just any movie, like, the, the hero was usually some sort of military guy. Um, and at that point, I thought, you know, the Navy was on boats, the Air Force flew planes, and uh, the Army was on the ground doing their thing, so I had no idea. The, the Marine Corps wasn't even on my radar. Uh, so I was in lacrosse season, so springtime of my senior year, and my buddy, uh, his older brother was in the Marines, and he wanted to sit down with the Marine Corps recruiter, but was too afraid to do it by himself. So he's like, hey, you know, I'm meeting with the recruiter today in the library after school. Do you want to come talk to him? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. You're, yeah, I'll sit and talk to him, join the Army, but, you know, I'll talk to him. Not knowing now, that recruiter got a two-for-one. <laughs> got an old so, two-for. So he got his, his two appointments. He could go home the day before, so that was, you know, you're welcome. But, uh, so we started sitting there, and he didn't give me the time of day. He's like, hey, do you want, are you interested in the Marines? And I was like, no, I'm, no, I'm going to join the Army. And he goes, okay. And just turned his back and kept talking to, to my buddy. And I kind of, you know, I felt a certain kind of way. <laughs> I was like, hey, you know, I mean, you know, what, what's so good about it? And then he started talking about how, you know, you're the tip of the spear. We're the best, you know, the, the, the most trained. America's 911, modern-day Spartans. He just started telling me all that. He just went through all the commercials. Yeah, literally just all, <laughs> like, he was, like, talking to an old star major. He was just hitting me with all the motivation. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I was, was not sold um, at that day. Like, we didn't even drop tags or anything like that. He just kind of uh, made it all about my buddy. And I started, my Google history was just, after that, it was all Marines, Marine Corps, you know, Marines fighting. I remember, you know, is, are, are the Marine Special Forces was on there and stuff like that. And I was like, yo, these guys are, these guys are, are badass. So then it instantly turned from, you know, just the general, everybody's, you know, soldier in the, in the Army to, like, Marines are are put on, a diff- like, a whole different pedestal. Like, you see all the different branches in their, in their uniforms walk past. Like, everyone's going to catch. Like, the dress blue is going to catch their eye. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what, everyone is going to see the Marine. 
um, you know, doing their things overseas in country or, you know, humanitarian or combat deployments, and then to turn around and be the only branch of service that does toys for tots. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, you're, you're the best of both worlds. You're, you know, a trained warrior and uh, a, a model citizen when you come yeah. back to the States. So that's ultimately what, what grabbed me. So you essentially recruited yourself. Yes. But it was also because he just looked at you like, yeah, okay. Yes. So he kind of like got you. He was yeah, like, yeah, that reverse psychology yeah. got me. Okay. <laughs> so you joined the Marine Corps. You go to boot camp in September. Yeah, uh, yeah, August. Um, so August Paris Island, I love that. which was which was awesome. Um, super hot. <laughs> Going from, you know, the Great White North in Maine to Paris Island in, in August. That was miserable. I was just melting. Like I felt like I was physically melting the whole time. <laughs> Like, just the smell of bacon just was surrounding me the whole, <laughs> the whole time. But, um, yeah, so all that. Graduated after Marine Corps birthday. Rolled on to combat training. Combat training in the wintertime, so that was fun. Um, then off to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for Motor T School. Spent more time than I wanted to out there. Uh, I got stuck in Maplatoon for, I think, like three months because all the reservists were going through the, through the flow. And then finally found the fleet. Um, a couple months after that, I checked in to COB7 out in 29 Palms, California in May. Yeah, April or May of 2011. And uh, yeah, I did that for a hot minute. Worked out at, out at EMV, out at Mojave Viper. Uh, for six months, came back, um, volunteered for my first deployment to Afghanistan, and I was an advisor for the Georgia Liaison Team, and deployed with Anglico, uh, which was super cool. Not not many people get an experience like that, uh, working actually with a foreign military hand-in-hand. Uh, so mm-hmm. we went to Germany for a month, trained with them, then when we went to Afghanistan with them, we, we lived with them, we ate with them, we patrolled, and did uh, combat operations with the Georgian Army. Came back, um, picked up Corporal my next month there. This was 2013. Hopped on my parent unit, went on deployment January of 14, so I went back for the breakdown of Afghanistan. Came back and got over to Hawaii. Hawaii was uh, was pretty chill. The island life, hung out with the artillery guys with 112 uh, for three years, and came out here on recruiting duty. <laughs> the most exciting part. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so now that we have like the background of you know mm-hmm. who Jackman is, what, when were you first introduced to alcohol? Do you remember mm-hmm. like, in general? Or, yeah, like. In general, um, and then in the Marine Corps, like, was it at a young rank? Was it, like, the first thing? Because I had one buddy who literally told me, like, hey, the first night that I was in the barracks, I was forced to freaking take two 40s to my hands, wrap, they were, you know, Edward 40 hands, yeah. and then I was told that I had to do all of this before I checked in tomorrow to meet the Sergeant Major. Oh my so, you know, so a lot of these young Marines are literally introduced to alcohol, like, it's the first time for a lot of people. Um, so where did you find yourself? Like, when, how were you introduced to it? Uh, so the first time, um, like most people was in high school. Okay. Um, but I wasn't like a, you know, I mean, I was a, a three sport athlete, so I kept more or less pretty straight edge. Um, in the fleet, um, 
I mean, I was underage. Once, once I hit, it was probably, yeah, I was probably a junior Marine. Um, when my parent unit came back, when I first got to my first duty station, they were, they were deployed. So we were part of the RBE or the remain behind element when they came back and, you know, the mass of the battalion came back. That was when, you know, the barracks party and everything like that started kicking on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was probably about salt dogs checked yeah. back in. Yeah, with their with their mustaches and <laughs> all the war dogs. <laughs> they were like, "Hey, Boot, come here." Yeah, that was basically it. And then uh, you know they start being like their DB and whatnot, and then just hanging out with them. And then so yeah, so probably about PFC Young Lands Corps. That's probably when it got got introduced. Um, yeah, looking back, like now that I'm sober, mm-hmm. like we used to drink a lot. Yeah, and that and that's the thing, man, is you really don't realize it, right? Like you don't. You don't, and I've, uh, unfortunately, I've never, I don't know if it's unfortunately or fortunate for myself, but I've never lived the barracks life, so I don't know about the party scene, you know, I don't know about people jumping off the second deck, you know, you, you know, so, but, and I've heard these great stories, but, you know, it's like, and that's the thing that I've, I've been told, it's like, and even myself, like, when I, when I was in my phase of really drinking hard, like, you don't realize how much you've drank until, especially when you're in the Marine Corps, and a lot of people, like, civilian populace if you're out in uniform and people people are gonna buy you a drink mm-hmm. and it's like and in my head i was like oh well i'm not gonna say no that's disrespectful man i'm not gonna tell this guy no Absolutely. Like, this guy just said thank you for my service i can't just be like no i can't be like let me get a water you know what kind of guy <laughs> do i look like so now here i am you know eight jameson and gingers deep and you know four shots of fucking whatever and then all of a sudden you're like oh crap it's, you know, it's now 12 o'clock at night, and I've been here since 10 a.m., you know, it's like, ooh, you know, but, you know, you really don't realize it until all of a sudden, they, but, you know, some of us, like yourself and myself, you know, you do realize it, and you're like, okay, so that's my question for you, is when did you realize that, you know, alcohol was becoming a problem, or was it someone else who realized it and kind of told you? Um, I mean, you know, like, growing up in, in the Marines, it's kind of like, it it's common just everybody to drink yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, so it's not uncommon for, you know, a couple people, people to show up with a couple 30 racks yeah. and somebody knocking out, you know, at one point, you know, I'd be able to knock out 26. Um, I still remember the night, um, you know, Bud Light, so it was basically water. Yeah. But, you know, knocking back 26 and then just still being coherent, talking and stuff like that. Um, or even when I was in Hawaii, finishing, you know, almost a handle of Sailor Jerry's just playing Xbox, <laughs> which I didn't think, you know, was, was a big deal because I'm, you're, you're surrounded by people that just drink and yeah. ass like that. Yeah. Um, and especially because you're around, like, I don't know how, what, what were you at in Hawaii? Corporal and uh, Sergeant? Corporal and Sergeant. Yeah. So, like, you're around, and it's not like you're... You're not like a 21 year old, 20. Like, that's the thing. Like, when people, like, and you've experienced it, I'm sure you do. When kids are like, bro, I want to go to college because I want the college dream. It's like, dude, you don't understand that the Marine Corps will shit all over your freaking little beer bong parties and shit. It's like, bro, like, dude, we, you have people like my boys, you know, and I know you can attest to this, that people who drink all night long, all day long, and then tomorrow morning you're up at 5 a.m. to go run a freaking three-mile PFT and then do a workout and you're completely fine. And then you go work the rest (laughs) of the day and then you go back to your barracks to do it all over again. Like, there's people who literally go, you know, days upon days and, like, they haven't had water, they haven't had nothing. And it's, it's, but but the thing is, is, like you said, like, it's, no one's around you saying there's a problem. 
because everybody's doing it. And then, and then when you are the guy who's like, oh, you know what, man, you know, I'm not going to go to Heroes tonight. I'm just going to sit back and relax. And then it's like, bro, are you fucking kidding me, bro? We're all going to go. What do you mean not going to go? And then it's like, oh, shit. So, like, so what was it for you that you kind of realized, like, hey, enough isn't enough? Um, so when I got back, when I got from my, back from my second deployment, um, drinking kicked up um, just because there was... I think just more people around that were of age, um, so we were throwing more parties and stuff like that. And that was when we were getting into like a lot of the barracks brawls and stuff like that. And that was when, like, I started looking forward to drinking, so I could look forward to, you know, getting into a tussle. And I mean, realistically, looking back, doing some shadow work, you know, releasing some, you know, pent up anger and frustration from from my my deployment that I was too hard headed to go find help with initially. Um, and in Hawaii, um, there was an incident that involved a Marine and my little sister. Um, she was two years younger than me. Long story short, I sent the kid to the hospital. Um, because of that whole incident, that's when I realized, hey, I need to cut back on my drinking because it could have went really bad. Uh, the kid ended up having a, uh, a moderate concussion. Nose was broken, eye sockets, like it was, it was bad. Um, so I slowed down for a little bit, picked back up when I went to Okinawa, Japan for UDP. Um, another incident happened where I went to break up a fight between two Marines and somebody decided to turn me around and give me the old Popeye's two piece and a biscuit, um, which he had to have been drunk as well because no one's gonna willingly turn me around to punch me in the face. <laughs> Uh, so once that was all set up, I woke up the next morning and I was like, you know, if I want to leave Okinawa and ultimately the Marine Corps with my ring, my rank, and just just me as a whole, um, without getting in trouble, I need to, you know, stop. Because to me, there was no, there was no slowing down. Like when I was drinking, it was, there was no point in just drinking, just yeah. a, a, enjoying a beer. Nobody sits in back and enjoys a Bud Light. Uh, you drink to get drunk, and then for whatever reason, you know, that is. Um, so there was no slowing down. I just had to do it cold turkey. Um, yeah. And once I told I told my husband about it, I was like, hey, I'm going sober. He asked what happened. I told him what, what happened. He's like, okay. You know, you've, you've been drinking a lot. And uh, so he was on board with it 100%. Because mm-hmm. it was like either Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde when I was drinking. It was either super fun, bubbly, awesome, life of the party, or like... Like, my little sister called me a monster one night because I ended up getting into a fight and just seeing what I did when I was drinking. Um, so it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So yeah. it was just cold turkey from that point forward. I think it was like May May 13th. Yeah, or May 16th. I got the, the date on my phone. So when um, so one of the questions I wanted to ask going back, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so when you were coming, you said one of the, a big part of when you were drinking heavily was when you came home from overseas. Um do you think, why do you feel like you, you, instead of seeking help, you went to drinking? Was it because of just the community? Was it, to, or did you feel like you, because I know for a lot of people, I was actually reading this, um, this guy on Instagram, um, he write, he's a Marine, I believe, infantryman, and he started writing poetry. Um, and a lot of, he's a machine gunner, and a lot of what he was writing about, some of the quotes that I read, was him just straight out saying that, like, the, the breed of Marine is taught to not talk about mental health. 
So, so we've taught each other literally that if you do say something, you're a bitch for saying something. And that's a huge thing. So then everybody just community wise now just becomes raging alcoholics. And, but no, but meanwhile, that same person who won't say anything will be in his bedroom crying while with a friggin' bottle to his mouth, but he won't say anything to his brothers because he's afraid of saying whatever. So like, do you feel that, like, why do you feel like you went to the bottle versus talking to anybody? Or do you like, and, and at the same time, same question, do you feel like there were people who you could have talked to, but you just chose not to? Mm, all right, we'll tackle this one piece at a time. Um, <laughs> so why why I started drinking, I started seeking help. Um, initially, I sought help for sleeping problems. And then they got me with the THA. They, they caught me off guard, and I was like, hey, you know, I drink you know, a six-pack a night. It's not that bad. So six-pack a night, da-da-da-da-da, throw it out. And a six-pack a night over the course of a week is... 30, 30 beers yeah. on average uh, a week, which is above what, what Navy doctors deem as acceptable. But you know what's funny, though, is that right now you're saying that, and I'm like, oh, bro, 30 pack a week? That's not that heavy. But realistically, to the average person, that's like, bro, that's a little <laughs> bit of a problem. <laughs> like, you know, six at night? Like, oh. Yeah, so what, what happened was when I met with, uh, with the Naval doctor, she's like, hey, you know, I'll... I'll write this prescription for your, for your sleeping medication. Um, but I'm also going to write for you to go seek, uh, the wizard or, uh, you know, the, uh, the psych yeah. uh, operational health. That's what there it is. And, uh, went there, talked to operational health once and they were so wrapped up on my drinking versus why you drink. Yeah. Why I drink that I went there twice, you know, told them, you know, go pound sand. Cause they nothing told back. It, it was nothing. It was just, you know, just wrapped around on drinking yeah. instead of, you know, the main problem, the cause yeah. of the drinking. Well, that's like when I, when I got home from Afghanistan, I went to um, Orange County for, um, for PTSD because they were, everyone was like, Hey, you got to go make sure you get your claims in, da, 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 all the shit. And I'm like, I don't have PTSD. But my wife was like, maybe you didn't just go talk to somebody. And at the time I didn't have a driver's license. So my drive, my wife drove me down there and, um, literally bro, I went to like three meetings and in the three meetings, which all were an hour span, it took an hour to drive there, an hour span, an hour thing, and another hour to drive home. So three hours, right? And my wife, the third time, my wife comes, she were in the car, and she's like, Doug, is this helping you at all? I'm like, no, I fucking hate <laughs> this shit. And my wife's just like, Doug, I've noticed that every time we leave, we argue, and we get really fucking pissed off. And she's like, and now, and now. Because what was going on is that, like, bro, I've met with this guy, I don't remember who the hell he was, but I've met with this guy three times, and I'm still seven years old. Like, we've only gotten to age seven of my life. And I'm like, bro, how many more times? Like, I, right, I, I get it. You got to understand, like, where, where I grew up, da-da-da. And I'm like, but, bro, like, I don't, I don't, why are we talking about five-year-old me? I don't even remember that guy. Like, why can't we talk about what happened, you know, in Afghanistan and the problems that I'm recently facing right now in my life? And it's like, I, I, and then I never went back. And, and just recently I was going to another VA claim and the woman asked me the same thing. And I just got annoyed at the, I got, I got, I got PTSD from my memory of being in the Orange County VA. And I told her, I was like, I will never go back. I was like, they do, they, I was like, I was like, I'd rather talk to someone that I know that's been through what I've been through or someone that might at least have an idea, but talking to some person who has no idea and they're trying to just literally say I have PTSD, even if I don't, 
because it's a lot of what happens is people go, oh, yeah, PTSD. And it's like, well, do I really have that? Or, you know, because I don't think I do. But then apparently I do because the, one, the woman asks me, she goes, well, she goes, Doug, she goes, well, 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 Doug, um, do you have road rage? And I was like, yeah, doesn't everybody? And she was <laughs> like, well, to what extent? She's like, do you throw things? I was like, of course I do. She's like, do you do you punch the steering wheel? Like, I'm, of course, who doesn't? Like, who, who doesn't do these things? And she's like, so you scream obscenities. She's like, do you ever get out of the car? I was like, oh no, that's way too much. Yeah, that's that's, too much. I was like, no, that's too much. I was like, that okay? I don't, have I almost? Yeah, but I was like, no. And she was like, okay. And then, uh, yeah. So that was my thing. Was like, I've tried to get like counseling, and I'm just like, bro, this shit's so stupid. Like, I don't even know what you're attempting to do. Like, okay, I, my dad wasn't a bad guy. Had to do with me drinking beer. I'm like, nope. But I don't know. But so you got the, you went and you got the help. You realized it was easy. Yeah, shit. Well, it wasn't really help. It was just yeah. like, hey, we did it. Yeah, it was like a check on the box. Yeah. Um, and that's what sucks is that a lot of what this is is just that. You know yeah, what I mean? It's a lot of bureaucracy of it. You know, it's just like you know the command. Oh, hey, hey, man. We gave him a PowerPoint. We sent him to the class. We signed that he was at the class. Then we sent him over here. What more could we have done? We did, sir. Your guidance. That's what we did. We're good. Like that's it sucks that that's it. Like that there isn't more. That it's just and that's the thing is it. I believe that it it started. You know I believe that at some point there was people who were like okay we have to do something that's gonna help people, but then it became a check in the box, and now that's what it is. Yeah, it's like the the, uh, the annual training. Yeah. It's just like oh, hey man. Gunny's standing by a Mustang. He really shouldn't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> like, what does that do for anybody? But I taught you about it. <laughs> so you come to this realization that it didn't really do anything for you. Yeah, right? it didn't do much. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe, you know, now being almost 30, you know, looking back on maybe if I listened to him and, you know, maybe there was some sort of method behind the madness where I yeah. identify, <clears throat> just accept the fact that, you know, I was drinking a lot then slow down then and then they could have unpacked everything um maybe but you know you got to think as an 18 19 you know 20 year old kid and not you know a 40 year old psychiatrist who's, who's gone to college and can dig through somebody's brain like that it's not how you know how a kid thinks uh so then i just went back uh to the barracks you know do my thing and i was like that guy that you were describing earlier uh so i would sit there i'd drink by myself um, play video games in my room, whatever, and almost drink so I could just pass out and not have dreams or nightmares or what really used to get me is the what ifs. Mm. Like, what if I did this? What if this happened instead? Just to drink, to just sleep. Mm. Um, through through the ebbs and flows. I mean, they, they could have been, I probably could have reached out to somebody. Um, but like you said earlier, there's this this stigma that if you reach out, because you see, you know, starting from boot camp, you hear about Chelsea Puller and Dan Bailey and stuff like that. And you think, you know, as stupid as it sounds, you're like, well, they never told us that they sought help. Yeah. You know, they did all these all these mm-hmm. crazy things. So I'm a, I must just be a bitch. Yeah. Like, you know and, you, and like you were talking about before, is like one of the many reasons why you joined the Marine Corps was because of the warrior ethos. And you hear about these warriors, right? And that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I started the podcast and to have people like you on the 
show is because, you know, in all the time that I've been on recruiting duty or I've been in the Marine Corps, I've never had someone just stand in front of an all hands or stand in front of a crowd of Marines and just say, hey, listen, bro, I'm about to retire. I've done 20 years in the Marine Corps. And guess what? I've dealt with everything you're going through right now. And then just tell their story. Because then people are like, oh, shit. Okay, this is someone that I can relate to. Someone who did go to Afghanistan, Iraq, or wherever the fuck. And they went through this, and this is how they got it through. You know, and then, like, what we're doing right now is, unfortunately, you didn't have many people like that, or if any. You know, and, and you felt like, fuck, I'm a weak bitch because I'm not, I don't have this same, quote-unquote, warrior ethos as Jesse Fuller, Dan Bailey, and all these people. Because you felt like, if I say something. And then on top of that, it's also just the idea, too, that... Um, that you, I don't know, this is sometimes how I've felt, is just what I'm going through isn't compared to what other people have gone through. Yeah, I've gone down that like, rabbit Like, bro, it's nothing. <laughs> like, I didn't lose my best friend. I didn't, you know, watch my, like, my brother, dude. I, bro, my brother, I think he's, I don't, I don't know, I haven't spoke to him in a while, but I'm pretty sure he's like five or six years older. Um, and he lost his best friend on my birthday. His best friend died in Iraq on my birthday and I don't know if that's the reason why we don't speak I don't know but I haven't spoken to my brother in years um but just like and that's something I always say to myself is like bro like how can I like I don't have a hundred percent reading disability but I'm just like I I didn't lose anybody I didn't watch any of my best friends die like why the fuck do I rate a hundred percent if I ever get a hundred percent like I don't feel like I rate that shit but at the same time it's like to a normal person a civilian or something they'd be like bro of course you do you know what I mean but like to us I'm just like no they're surrounded by everybody yeah because someone else has it so much worse or whatever but so so how did you end up getting through it so you now when you so um, in May did you have any kind of relapses did you have any kind of issues or did you just no so once uh, once I went to Okinawa got my my little uh, encounter there that was kind of like I made up my mind because um, I've dealt with alcoholics in my family, addicts in my family. And the biggest thing is that you can't, you can't make somebody go sober or get clean. They have to want to do it. Mm. So that was, you know, my, my learning point. Like my sister was addicted to heroin for the longest time, um, overdosed multiple times. And, you know, it was killing all of us to try to get her to get clean, but she just didn't want to again. Mm-hmm. And then once I fought through, you know, I, I guess alcoholism, you know, if you're just going to call it out, that's when it clicked in my brain that that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get sober because I wanted to drink. And now that I see where this path is going and, you know, the, the, the real repercussions of it, you know, I'm ready now. And that was, you know, that was the turning point. So there's been no relapses. There's been no, I mean, there's been times that I've thought about it, mm-hmm. uh, especially on recruiting duty. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but now just the fact that, and then it helps us kind of like the, the welcome aboard brief that we do where we take the picture of the coolies and put it on Instagram and stuff like that. Cause it makes you, it makes them harder to back out. Mm-hmm. So that's why every, every year I always post, you know, my anniversary of being sober, um, just so when I do think about it, mm-hmm. you'd be like, no, all these people are rooting on me right now. I've got, 
you know, I really just don't want to let them down because I know they're they're watching me and they're using me as an example, you know, as a role model, um, putting me up on that pedestal. Like I, as you know, a high school senior, I put these Marines on this pedestal. They're doing the same thing for me now at this point. They're using me as an example, saying, hey, you know, look at this kid. He's a Marine. He's done two tours to Afghanistan. I mean, to us, it's, you know, two tours to Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, but to, like, the civilian populace, you know, it's like, that's, like, hero-worthy. And we're just, like, you know, it's just normal stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're like, you know, he's, you know he's, he's a hero, and, you know, he's sober and this, that. You know, there's nothing that he can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, like, what helps keep me going. So if I knew, like, every time I feel like, you know, I need to relapse or if I, I want a drink or something like that, I just, because there's, there's always going to be thoughts, like, you know, I could just have this one drink. Yeah. Or, like, when, you know, if I go to a wedding, you know, I can have a drink at the wedding. Bro, I don't know how many times that I've just forgotten that you're a, a do you say recovering alcoholic, or do you just say you're a yeah, drink? Yeah, I just say whatever. What's the, what's the political correct term? Uh, I think I think maybe recovering alcoholic. That's what they had to say at AA. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So, you're someone who no longer drinks. Yes. And I forget that. And I'm so used to being around people who drink, who I've I've found myself like, yo, Jack, you want me to drink? And then you look at me like, no, but I'll come for a water. And I'm just <laughs> like, fuck, I forgot, dude. <laughs> and I, I, I can only imagine how much how much you get that, especially because you're around Marines and not everybody knows you like that. So like, especially being at the Marine Corps Ball, like I can't imagine like how do you deal oh, with that? I had at the, this not this last whenever we had the last ball. Yeah, 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 two years ago. Yeah. Um, I was with all, you know, all the Tongs River boys, so I was with Alan, and he's like, I was like, hey, I'm gonna go get a, I'm gonna go get a drink. Does anybody want anything? And I was like, yeah, get me a rum and coke, uh, a double rum and coke. And I was like, all right, got it. And as I'm walking, I was like, because I used to be my drink was was uh, Taylor Jerry's and Coke. So I was going up there, and I remember, you know, ordering the two drinks. I was like, one regular Coke, one double Jack and Coke. So he gave me two different, uh, two different cups. And as he was pouring them, I was like. Haven't hit mine real quick, so I got you know one shot and the double shot. I'll give the, the double shot to, to Alan, and then they gave it to like and it was like a sign, like they gave it to me in two different cups. He's like, Hey, this is your double, this is your your, your sober drink. I was like, That's a sign, got it. <laughs> back down the straight and narrow, came back, yeah, sat yeah. down, and I looked at him and I was like, Motherfucker, like <laughs> this, this is my drink. He goes, I know, I'm an asshole. I was like, This is my. It's fucking dude. It's funny. Well, it's not funny, but I was just talking to my uncle the other night. So he has been an alcoholic since I've known him. Like my whole entire life, I've never met. I've never met him not drunk. Like my whole, I'm 30 years old. I've never met him not drunk. And the other night, I was, I called him, and he was like, "Oh yeah." He was like, "I gotta get uh, back surgery, hip surgery." All this other surgery. I just love how every drunk's voice is the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he's just like and he's just like, I was like okay. I was like, but you probably can't drink when you have these surgeries. He's like, oh no, I gotta get rid of cold turkey. I'm like, I was like uncle. I was like uncle Gary. You've been drinking your whole entire life. You're telling me you're just gonna go cold turkey because you have to get these surgeries. And he's like, well, well, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. He's like, so far it's been three months and I don't drink liquor anymore. Now I'm just drinking Coors Light. And he, yeah, and then he was just like, but I'm gonna get there, I'm gonna get there. I was like, dude, just fucking stop. And he's like, it doesn't fucking work like that. If it fucking worked like that, then I, I wouldn't fucking drink. He's like, you know, you know what, but he goes, you know what, dog? I'm like, what's up, what's up? He goes, just stop fucking pissing. Just, just stop peeing right now. Just stop. And I was like, 
Okay. And he was like, you can't, can you? He was like, exactly. <laughs> I can't just stop drinking. It's just what I do. Nobody oh. doesn't want to, though. <laughs> good. But, you know, and it, and it was, you know, so so what, so as you now have been throughout this for four years, um, what have you found to do differently? You know, like when you are angry or when you are annoyed or just can't sleep or whatever it is, like when you have this anger or this, what do you do now? Uh, so really, the, there was no real outlet, uh, really at all. Kind of just like bottled everything up. Um, but now, uh, I'm part of an armored combat league. So I've spent this is gonna blast everybody's brains real quick. I spent six thousand um, dollars on a 14th century suit of armor, you know, helmet, um, shoulder pads, gauntlets, and everything, um, and I made some shields. I'm in a league where you basically go into, it's called a list, so it's like a little gated area, and you just fight. Um, so that kind of gets some of my aggression out. How did you find out about it? Uh, I didn't even know until you posted it on Facebook, I didn't even know this existed. Um, had to have been before I was in Okinawa, because I, I knew there was a community there. Um, I don't really know, it was just always something that I knew there were, well, because they have like, LARP groups and uh, <laughs> great movie role models. Yeah, and, great movie. Uh, they have like the, the SCA, um, which is like reenactments and stuff like that. And then just Googling and you know, YouTubing, there's a video if you search uh, armored combat fighting or something like that. It's, a, it's an M1 fight, it's a pro fight, and it's out in Ukraine or Russia. And it's two fighters in an octagon, and they each have a sword and shield, and it's basically MMA. So in my league, once you're on the ground, you're out. Um, just because that's, that's the honorable thing. Whether you fall or, you know, you take a knee because you give up, you're not going to hit, you know, another knight that's on the ground. In the pro fights, it's until the ref stops it or you're knocked out. So the video, the first video that I actually saw of an organized fight was uh, these two fighters were going at it. One gets a, a toss of some kind of hip toss in. They go to the ground and the other fighter gets in a side mount and starts shield bashing this guy in the helmet until he stops moving and something clicked in my mind and it was like you need to do that <laughs> so i said so, so i started uh research going on it took me up until uh the end of june to track down i was talking to uh, a fighter in australia and he directed me to the actual website because somehow googling i couldn't find the website and that directed me towards a team in philly and the team in Philly, I introduced myself using email and everything, and they told me that as much as they would love an active duty sergeant from the Marines to be armored like a real warrior to fight on their team, this is even closer into Egypt. So I was like, oh, you know, that's my old AO when I was in recruiting in Tom's River was, was yeah. in Egypt. Uh, so I tracked down the team, uh, sent a, uh, a Facebook message to the guy, and we started talking back and forth, and he asks me, uh, Paul goes, Hey, do you know, you know so and so? And I was like, Yeah, why? Like, oh yeah, you know, they, they just told me that you put their son in, and I was just trying to see if it's the same Sergeant Jackman. I was like, Well, there's only there's only one Sergeant Jackman in New Jersey. Yeah. And um, so the guy Paul, he's family friends with uh, a family that I put their son in the Marines. So over uh, in July, they both invited me up. He he came. Over, uh, he came up from Lejeune uh, for the 4th of July with his buddies. 
he went up there. So Paul was like, hey, you know, I'm over at their house. Come on over. We'll, we'll talk tactics. We'll talk about the membership and, you know, fighting and stuff like that. And, you know, you can see Garrett and you guys can catch up. And I was like, yeah, you know, I got to drive up there. I'll just see if he hates me yet. Because, you know, the running <laughs> joke is every Marine hates his recruiter. Yep. So that's why drove the 45 minutes up there and you know we, we played some cards we hung out for a little bit and watched the fireworks and uh that was really he got me on the website about my membership um and then soon after that shot the fittest on my armor um from andre sanu super cool he was a marine for 32 years um oh, wow. got out as a gunner he started as a motor key uh operator went to uh the maintenance chief route to uh the warrant officer package but in the, in the initial push in iraq Old, he's an old warrior. He's been fighting for 30 years. So since he's been in the Marines, he's been doing some sort of reenactment fighting. Oh, wow. Um, he founded the Armored Combat League. Um, they can find it on, uh, if you go on YouTube, you can search Unite Fight. Uh, that's usually where I direct everybody to because it's, it's from the History Channel. It's the History Channel funded these, you know, the best nights from America to go over to Europe and fight. Oh, wow. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's like eight episodes or something. Oh, so sure. I just play that uh, in the office for like Kapoolies and stuff like that. And they're just like, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll be fighting these guys when I go to nationals in October. And they're like, do you want to fight? And they, now all the foolies know everybody's names, like all the big fighters and stuff like that. So you're gonna go, you're gonna, you're gonna, so you're on a team. Yes. Oh shit. Um, yeah. So they're on Facebook and Instagram. It's the uh, New Jersey Leeds Devils. Um, it's out of New Egypt. We practice um, Sunday afternoons from two to four, two to six. And you know how practice. How much does the kit weigh? Um, the kit weighs, let's see, without my shoulders or my shin guards, my greaves, I stepped on the scale at 250, and, or before I put the armor on, everything besides my shoulders and greaves, I was 325. So now with the shoulders and the greaves, I'll be pushing somewhere around you know, 100 pounds worth of armor. So no, so you're now your new PPE. Yes. Yeah. So now, yeah. So all the guys they, they want me to run PT in my armor. I got a video. Yeah. So that Instagram of me doing a, yeah. a a mile run in my in my kit, which yeah. was which was nuts. I thought that was, and as Marines we do everything to the extreme. So I thought that was normal. Yeah. So you know if you're getting ready for a deployment, you're doing everything in your kit. You know yeah. you're doing all, all your workups in your full battle rattle. So I was like, right, what's what would be the best way to get fighting fit for like a, a no shit fight? Yeah. Then work out on my mind. stuff. Yeah. So I ran my miles, you know, sledgehammer slams, tire flips, like I'm doing full workouts in my in, in my kit. Uh, the looks I was getting, like people like did double takes, like they didn't know what century they were in. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then I found I sent it to the to the group chat to the to the team, and now they just think I'm just this crazy marine because <laughs> nobody else is doing this to that to that capacity um but it's freaking I don't dope. Mind it that way and is it um is it only swords or do you use different weapons uh so there's any weapons really besides hammers um hammers and picks because that's obviously like some sort of anti-armor uh, mm-hmm. weapon so depending on what position you are on the field is more or less what you're going to use for a weapon um swords Oh wait, hold on. This is like your team versus their team at once. Yes. So, so like, so oh, it's missing. not like one v one. So you can do duels, one v one. That's usually uh, you can do long sword, sword and shield, mm-hmm. uh, just one v one. But what you're missing on the Saturday is mm. the Thanks other team for is coming Thanks down. Thanks for rubbing it in. <laughs> it's five v five. 
Um, so, and just, you know, I'm the smallest guy on my team or the second smallest guy on my team. Everybody else who's seen the meet, meet the nights that I've been sharing, everybody's over six foot, over 250. Um, like I look like, like I look, I look like Jim Lee from Lord of the Rings, um, <laughs> standing next to these guys. That's but, awesome. uh, yeah, so they do five, five v fives. Uh, it's going to be this Saturday, three verse threes. You can do one verse ones. Um, the nationals is eight verse eight. I think I could be wrong. Now, do you guys come out like running at each other, or so you, you start? Um, so you start more or less in a little little, little clusterfuck, um, more in a line, and whenever the ref you know calls you to go, um, that's when you get into your your formation or whatever. If if your tactic is to just get online and rush them, mm-hmm. you know that that could work. You know, catch them by surprise, and you have. You know, if somebody's a civilian weight, you know, 300 pounds isn't uncommon for a big dude uh, in the civilian world. Put his arm around, he's 400 pounds running at you. <laughs> like, you're probably going to catch somebody flat-footed and, and knock them down or, mm-hmm. or do whatever. Um, so you, you could, and then when they go to the, the international fights um, overseas in Europe, that's 16 on 16. And a lot of the teams will just, they'll, they'll slow walk up to each other and then once they get close enough that's when they break off and, and do their actual running at people to fight that's fucking dope that's dope man how does it feel to just be have you done a fight yet uh we as of right now we do two verse ones uh just to build our stamina up and try to get our our tunnel vision out of the way because mm-hmm. it's just like you know if you're if you're in an actual fight or a wrestling match yeah. um or a firefight like you get you get tunnel vision yeah so even like, like, I've broken myself out of the tunnel vision um, through workups and stuff for deployments and keeping your head on a swivel, but now I've just been out of the combat mindset for so long being on recruiting. I have to reteach myself to keep that head on the swivel and keep trying to look. And so we do two-on-one drills um, on the Sundays mostly, and that's like a kick in the teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, for the two-on-ones, like, you're, you're going to get hit. That's probably going to be the question. next question is how does it feel to get hit? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, like with the adrenaline, you really don't feel it. Um, I haven't. Crazy dog. But I haven't. I haven't been hit real hard yet. Um, that I felt. Uh, the armor that I got from Andre. Um, it's 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 the strongest in the world. Uh, he's the only one that uses three hundred four uh, spring steel. So I mean, I don't know much about metallurgy, but he broke me broke it down and what what the other uh, armorers use. But I had a. Um, uh, one of my teammates is the region, regional commander. He came with a pole axe, which is basically an axe head on along the shaft, up and over um, his partner, and hit me square in the top of the head on my helmet. Took like a, a little scratch out of my, my helmet. My helmet's only mild steel, but took a little, you know, I, not even a little, pretty pretty big gouge out of my helmet, and I didn't feel it. Um, he hit me straight in the forehead uh, with, with the axe head when he was using his, his two-handed axe. Didn't, didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I can't really say. I mean, I've seen people get dropped um, from that video night fight. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I haven't been hit that hard yet. I'm trying to keep close. Like, you know, yeah. If a guy's got a big weapon, you know, just yeah, close yeah. him real fast so he can't use it. Um, but, yeah, most of it right now is just throws. Um, but I, do, I get, get in deep for all my, use my wrestling experience and, and do some throws. So, what advice do you have for anybody out there who kind of feels that maybe where you were in the, that point in your life, just where you feel like you can't talk to anybody, or like, 
what advice do you have for them who are younger you I guess um, so for the for the people out there listening um, I say there's always somebody um, I'm gonna do a, a shameless plug to my, my Instagram real quick if they reach out to SGT underscore Jackman uh, Sergeant Jackman um, I'm a recruiter so I'm always on social media you can reach out um, ask me some questions um, or advice or you could just be like you know I have a buddy who's you know going through X Y and Z what would you know what should he do what should I tell him to do and then I'll just you know give your buddy advice through you um, that's really what I would do if I would go if I could go back I would find a, a mentor or somebody use the de-stress hotline um, I've never used it but it's an asset there um, but I would have dug deep and gotten all that stuff out instead of just bottling it up for mm-hmm. you know four five six years yeah um, so yeah so long story longer my recommendation would be to to seek the help because in full circle people are going to look up to you more watching what you've gone through what you've battled internally and then the fact that you went off to get help to become better yeah. um, means more than just being that old stereotypical you know, drunk veteran. Yeah. And then there's nothing for anybody. And then no, it just gives everybody bad look, bad yeah. taste in their mouth. Yeah. And then you know, and I think another thing too is a lot of people have that fear of like, oh, if I say something, I'm gonna lose my career. Absolutely. Like that's that. a huge yeah. stigma. Um, the command's gonna do something. Yeah. Like it's bad against me. But and the thing is too though is you gotta say something before you do get a DUI or mm-hmm. or, or because who knows that's gonna be a lot worse. You know. Um, and then the same thing too with the people who, you know, you have a friend who's going through this and you feel like you, you know, you should say something, but you don't. Um, and I, you're afraid to lose them as a friend. Yeah. And I've, I've been there, um, like we talked about previously, but you know, and that's the thing, man, it's just, you gotta, a lot of times, you know, even myself included, like you gotta take a second to just soul search and look at yourself and be like, Hey man, is what I'm doing bettering me or hurting me? And then, you know, another thing too, I was talking about this with my boy Matt, but you know, because of me, you know, now knowing people like you, you know, I'm very, I'm a lot more cognizant of what I say to people. Because, like, some people, like, when you come into the room and you're, like, when they're, or, you know, whether you, you walk in their house for the first time or you come to a wedding or whatever, like, oh, can I get you a drink? Oh, uh, yeah, water. Why? <laughs> it's like that, like, bro, why do you care? Why do you care? It's not your business. They just asked you for a water. That's it. Don't take offense to it. You simply ask you for a water. That's completely it. You know, like you don't have to go, oh, why, man? Are you, were you a drunk? It's like, no, it's not your fucking business, bro. Leave it alone. Just get the guy water. That's what he asked for. And I think that's a huge thing because, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I was doing 75 hard. Made it three days. But uh, I was doing 75 hard. And uh, day one, like, it was day three. And I went to a friend's house. And I was like, yeah, I'm not drinking. I walked in with a gallon of water. And they were like, where's the beer? And I was like, oh, I didn't bring any. And then instead of just leaving it at that, it now became this conversation of, well, why aren't you drinking? And I'm like, why do you care? Like, if I didn't bring up the conversation of why I'm not drinking, leave it alone. But, um, and the same thing, you know, like you wouldn't, but it, it and the thing too is that it's so social, it's, an, it's a social norm. You know what I mean? Like no one's like, no crack, bro? <laughs> like with crack, it's like, okay, good. Glad you left the crack rock at home. Yeah. But with the beer, it's just like, bro, what do you mean you're not going to drink? Like, because it's, it's fucking indoctrinated, especially in the Marine Corps. 
you know, like, people are surrounded by it every single day and every aspect of it, like, you know, it's, and that, I, that's my only other question, I guess, just, is how do you deal with that? Like, what is it, or you, people drinking around me? Yeah. I don't know, I could literally, like, a few beer runs now, I could hand out, I could probably be a bartender, too. Really? Um, I just, it's kind of like when I, when I quit smoking, um, it, w- it was hard at first, and, you know, I kept thinking about um, you know, want a cigarette, want a cigarette. Um, but you know, you get to a certain point where, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just weird, but when I smell cigarettes, you know, the the smell smells good, but you know, the the, the it's just the taste, and mm-hmm. it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So now I feel I've kind of thought about that, like a lot of the times, um, like when I first quit smoking, you know, you relapse with with uh, cigarettes all the time. And then finally, once I kicked the cold turkey, I kind of, again, made that comparison with drinking. Um, you know, I told, or the big thing is, like, I told my mom, you know, hey, you know, I quit smoking. Oh, I'm so proud of you, Mom. I love you, my son. So when I told her that I quit drinking, uh, you know, that was just, she's crying. She's so happy because um, her uh, her ex-husband was an oh, alcoholic. I thought, you, I thought you were saying she was crying because you stopped drinking. Oh, no, no. I she was you, happy. Oh, my no. God. Why don't you want to drink no, 40? no. no. <laughs> I got the duct tape in the forties in the car. <laughs> no, ma. No, um, but no, because her her ex uh, husband was an alcoholic. Uh, I think her dad might have been an alcoholic and stuff like that. And uh, my older sister was. So when the fact that I was the first one to to not need help, help yeah. uh, or forced to get help, because mm-hmm. um, all the help that I sought was was voluntarily. Um, she was just oh you're so strong I'm so proud of you and that's kind of like that driving point. So mm-hmm. even if you know, I'm faced with, hey, you know, can you go grab us some beer? You know, go, you know, pour us some drinks, stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, sure, I got you. And I can do that just because I got my mom's voice in the back of my head. Like, I'm so Who's the you. asshole that's asking you to go get them beer and get you drinks? No, like, uh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I've never had to pour. Oh, okay. I thought later. someone just like, hey, go drink. Oh, here, here. <laughs> pour us a drink. No, but uh, but like my neighbors, when I go for like barbecues and stuff like that. Oh, okay. I'd gotcha. rather go make a beer run than. Well, yeah, that them, them going out and I'm drinking. Like, no, yeah. I got it. Give me your list. Grab me the money. I'll go and get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's freaking. That's that's dope, man. It's it's. I appreciate number one. I appreciate you coming out and telling your telling your story because like, you know, you reached out to me when I when my buddy Matt shared his and and I've had people reach out to me because of him sharing his and and a lot of people and that's really why I wanted to do it is because like, I I myself I've never. I wouldn't say I've never dealt with drinking to an extent of where I thought I was an alcoholic, because um, I have, but, like, for me, it's, like, now I'm in a weird stage of my life where, like, I don't know if I feel like, I don't know if this is, like, an AA meeting conversation, but, we, we, we can but so here's the thing, right, is, I, like, this whole week, I didn't have a drink, didn't even think about having a drink, Lie, I just lied. I had two beers last night. I had two Konas last night. And it wasn't anything other than the fact of, like, got up, I went to get a seltzer out of my fridge, and I was like, oh, I have two Konas left from, like, last weekend. Like, oh, Kona's good, though. Yeah, so I was like, I'm trying to have a Kona. Popped it open, I had a Kona. And it was a light blonde, so it wasn't going to get me drunk. And then I had two, and then I went to bed. And then today, the whole entire way home, I'm like, bro, I'm freaking, I want beer. Like, I want beer so bad. I don't know why. I was just like, I want a beer so bad. And then I came home and I had a seltzer. But like, 
for me, it's like I've kind of always been like I don't know if I guilt myself into thinking that I'm an alcoholic because I feel like I should be. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, it makes sense. Because like my brother's an alcoholic or was an alcoholic, my uncle's an alcoholic. So, but like for me, it's like I have noticed the times where like I can sit down and drink six or twelve beers and then six or twelve. Yeah, and I'll just be like, oh, and that's the thing is that like for a while it was a thing where like. I couldn't just have a beer. It was like, I'm going to have six or 12. And I'm going to drink until I just decide, okay, now it's my... And then I get... I get... This is for everybody out there. I love you. Um, I'm going to use Jama. Um, <laughs> bro, I get... I get... Bro, I FaceTime everybody when I'm sober. I FaceTime you do. people. You do. That's like the most inconvenient thing. <laughs> I see. But I FaceTime people even more when I'm drunk. So I'll bro, I I used to hate Romaine, bro. I'll Facetime Romaine in the middle of the night, and it, I forget that he's in Hawaii, so our time differences, and I'm he's just like I'm, he's like, bro, why are you waking me up? I'm like, oh my bad, bro. And like me and my meanwhile, it's been like, like a couple of months now since I've been since I've actually been drunk, but you know I think that for me that's what I realized. But like, cause like I just enjoy, like you were saying before, like you can't just. And you couldn't, you found out that you couldn't just enjoy a beer to enjoy a beer. Yeah, I couldn't. And that's like my boy Matt. My boy Matt's like, no, bro. It's like, I'm going to take a match and then I'm going to light this whole motherfucker on fire. Absolutely. He's like, I'm going to get the gasoline. (laughs) He's like, this house is going down. Absolutely. He's like, I can't just use a match to light a cigarette. I got to use a fucking torch. And and that's and he was like, because I asked him, I was like, do you think you would ever go back to just drinking? He was like, no. He's like, I can't. He's like, bro, if I have one sip of a drink, he's like, I don't even want to know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be incorrect. And we didn't have that on-off switch. Yeah. And and apparently, I, I, I've never looked into this, but apparently from what I'm being told is that there's like a chemical imbalance or something in the brain, which is what causes this in some people. I don't know. I've never looked into it. But but that's the thing, man. And it's like, because like I said, man, like my uncle, bro, I love my uncle to death, but I've never known him sober, you know, and... So it sucks because, like, I think he, you know, I think, but it's crazy too because he won't talk about anything of what he was, like, he was an army ranger. He won't talk about anything. Like, he'll tell me the same story about the squirrel that he had to kill. Like, apparently, so I want to hopefully get him on the show, but apparently the only story he will tell me, and it's the same story he tells me every time, and I think he thinks it's, like, the first time he's telling me it. I don't know. So, Uncle Gary, (laughs) I'm not saying you're crazy. Just saying, I've, I've heard the same story quite a few times. And um, so apparently there was this guy, I'm probably going to butcher this story, but his commanding officer, they were in the middle of, I don't know where, I think it was, v- it might have been, when was Vietnam? I'm sorry for history. Okay, yeah, so it wasn't then because he's not, he wouldn't have been old enough. So it was, maybe he's in the Gulf War, I'm not sure. But long story short, he was over somewhere, in the middle of somewhere, and it's a horrible story. <laughs> and he, his captain comes out in the morning, and there was a, a not a squirrel, it was a, a gopher, I think. And the gopher was, like, eating and, like, it was putting holes up, gopher holes, oh, in the yeah. lawn. You know how everybody is with their fucking grass. Yeah, that's why I came through the side door. Yeah, I saw yeah. grass in the front door open, and I was like, I was going to go through the side. Yeah. So, um, so I guess this gopher was just popping up and making all these holes in the grass. And the captain said, said like, made an announcement, like, hey, whoever kills this fucking gopher is going to get 24 hours of limbo pass. Like, just do it. 
So apparently, from what my uncle says, is that he literally laid on the ground on this lawn with a fucking pocket knife, and he just laid at the hole and waited for this gopher to just pop up. And he literally popped up, and my uncle just went <laughs> right in this bitch's throat and just stabbed it in its gullet. And then he walked up to the captain's hutch and literally was just like, I fucking killed it. And the captain was like, okay, and? And he was like, you said if we killed it, we got a 24-hour libo pass. And he was like, I don't think I said that. And my uncle was like, what do you mean? I just spent all this time killing your goddamn gopher. <laughs> and and long story short, he ended up getting the libo pass. But that was like the only story I think my uncle's ever really told told me. But, um... But yeah, man, it's it's and, and that's the thing too is like my brother joined the army because of my uncle. I inevitably joined the Marine Corps because of my brother, and it's you know I see that and I'm like, again, it's just talking about like that whole thing is like you feel like a lot of people feel like, oh well, I didn't, you know, what do I have to bitch about because I didn't deal with what they dealt with, you know? But I don't, see, I, I don't think the fact that you, I don't think you're an alcoholic, uh, just the fact that you you can recognize it, you can mm-hmm. stop. Um, urges like having urges is just human nature mm-hmm. like so that's it um, yeah the fact you know you can drink two and not have the urge to go down to the liquor store down the street and go buy another 30 rack and you know polish off a couple more before you go to bed so i feel like you know you might just be guilt tripping yourself into thinking that you are yeah that's what i think it is i'm just like <laughs> or like maybe i'm like i want to be an alcoholic now yeah <laughs> but um but now nah, man it's it's uh I don't know, man. I just think it's such a... And I think the other thing, reason why I've cut down a lot is just, like, bro, my son walked up to me one day with a fake toy and was like, Dad, I'm drinking a beer like you. And I was like... Oh, that would kill me. I was like, I don't want him to think that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like... "Uh, uh." So since then, I've kind of, like, been drinking seltzers a lot more. Because I'm just like, I don't... Like, if he were to say something different, like, when he says, Dad, I'm Marine Corps. Like, when my son puts my blues cover on, and he's like, Dad, I'm Marine Corps. I'm like, that's fucking dope. But when you come over to me with a fake beer, I'm just like, ooh, that's a problem. Like, that's not, we shouldn't be, you know, like, ooh. Like, no. Don't do that with beer. Yeah. But, I don't know, man. Um, So, here's a really random question for you. I need that. How often do you think about drinking now that you're on the recruiting duty? Do you, do you ever just bash your head in the table and you're like, oh my God, I want to do it right now? Up until this week, uh, not not too much. I had a pretty rough week with, with processes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm dealing with a uh, with one of my junior Marines in the fleet right now. Um, well, technically he's out now. He got, he got admin separated um, for some pre-existing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's struggling with alcohol abuse right now. Mm-hmm. And... I got on my soapbox and told him, you know, alcohol doesn't fix anything. You know, you need to deal with all that pre-existing stuff sober. Go get the help that you need because uh, just drinking to make it feel better, it, it, it's not going to help. So I caught myself telling myself the same thing that I was telling him. Like, it was a super rough week and I was like, you know, I should just stop and grab because at this point, I'd be happy with like a shooter. Yeah. Just take a shooter and I'd be, you know, red in the face and, and all, all happy and stuff like that. But it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't fix the situation. Like it wouldn't fix like my two shipper or my two processes that went bad. Or, yeah. You know, for the prospecting numbers, it's not, it's not gonna change that. Yeah. It's just gonna hinder it more. Cause then you know, if I do go on a bender, I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna yeah. sleep through my alarms. I'm gonna miss, you know, the calling in to ops and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Or... Bro, I, I just had that. I had a guy reach out to me on the podcast. Um, 
and he told me that in his command right now there's four people getting getting charged for DUIs and it's just like it's like bro it's like you said like what what is it doing it's not doing anything for you you're not and and, and I'm saying this now looking back because I did a lot of drinking while I was on the duty um and it you know you really do realize like bro like what did it do for you besides the fact of now you just threw away your whole entire career like all of this time that you spent with you know that you could have been doing greater things and now here you are with a DUI that you didn't ever need to have right now I mean when your career is over you're not, yeah. gonna, you're not gonna be enlisted with DUI you, you basically can't yeah especially in today's climate back in the day it wasn't a big deal but yeah. now it's just going on like a like a, I was thinking about all the money I spent drinking when I was in the fleet mm-hmm. it's like you know just thinking of, bro it's great it's crazy to think about the amount of money that you would have and that's why it's like in days because you lose days being hung over and yeah. blacked out and stuff yeah. like that have you ever listened to Andrew Frisella Relay F great podcast um, and that's one of the biggest things he talks about it he's just, he's, he's just like and, and and I never thought about it like this until he said this. He brought it. He put it in like perfect perspective. He goes, he goes. This is why I, he didn't stop drinking, but he's like, this is why I calmed down. And he's like, now I'll have like a glass of wine, you know, I'll have a beer. But he's like, this is why I no longer do the four day binge session. He's like, bro, Thursday night, thirsty Thursdays. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna get wrecked. Friday, I'm gonna go to work, and I'm not gonna want to be at work. So I'm going to be lethargic the whole time I'm at work thinking about how I'm going to get out of work to go have another drink. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to get raged out of my bird to then not remember Friday night, to then wake up hungover as shit Saturday, just the first thing do what? Grab another beer. Shower beer. Then I'm going to freaking do Sunday all over again. And then by Tuesday, this is now when I'm finally starting to get back into life and it's already Thursday. Mm-hmm. And he's like, bro, while you're in, and this guy now is like a billionaire. He owns like all the owns a supplement company called First Form, I think. And pretty much he just started talking about like, bro, while you're doing all of that drinking, there's people out there making businesses. There's people out there who are going to the gym. They're doing something productive. They're reading books. They're doing things. You're just literally wasting four days of your lifetime. You're never going to get back. And then it's not just four days. It's a lifetime of time. And you really think about it. Like I was talking to a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, and he literally told me that he spends $5,000 a year on, on marijuana alone. So that's not without, he, him and his wife drink, him and his wife smoke cigarettes. So it's like, bro, how much more, a pack of cigarettes is $10 a fucking pack or more. And, and you got people who smoke two, two, three packs a day. It's like, bro, that's $30 a day just in cigarettes, not to include, you know, all these different things. And, and you really, when you start looking at it, and that's why, like, you know, a huge thing that, you know, I think, I think a huge problem too, really random, is like, yeah, in high school you have like the dare program, right? Yeah. But you don't really have anybody who comes in and tells you, "Hey, brother, I was a fucking heroin addict, and it all started here." No one does that. But if you did have that, like, I get these scared straight shit on freaking History Channel and shit. Well, what do you, are you gonna bring like the local crackhead to school? <laughs> well, no, you bring someone who's who who is a, who has recovered, and they can just talk about it, you know, so, or someone who, or even if it was a teacher. Hey man, I'm not, not saying the teacher who was a crackhead, but I'm saying like the teacher who you know smoked cigarettes for however many years, you know, and now you just have that conversation, like because people you don't people don't people think it's a cool thing, especially with parents. I'm not knocking you, but because I've done it, 
but parents who, you know, sit there and smoke cigarettes in front of their kids. And their kid is like, oh, well, I'm going to do that one day. That's what my dad does. Yeah, the same thing with alcohol. Yeah. Like, and then eventually it becomes the same thing. And now this person is going to be addicted to it for the rest of their life or whatever. And unfortunately, you don't know what other people are are not addicted to because we all are wired differently. So you, like me, I can pick up a pack of cigarettes, have it in my house for three months, and just every once in a while have one. You know, or there's nights where I chain smoke a pack of cigarettes and I don't need another pack, you know, but I don't know. Are you dumb? Are you ready to be done with it immediately? What's your thoughts on that right now? How is, how is... So I was telling, I just got my new guy. Um, and I was letting him know that, you know, when, I mean, and you can attest to it, like, when, when it's good, it's good. It's good. Like, you, like, you, you never wore your uniform. <laughs> Unofficially, you know, allegedly, you never, you never wore your uniform. Um, but when it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem, man, is it's, it's, people don't, and I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but it's like, people don't, people want the quality of life. That's all you ever hear. But nobody wants to do the work. I had to talk with, uh, with that it yeah. takes to have the quality of life. Because, like, and this is something that I used to say to Murphy, and you know how Murphy is, and Murphy, if you're listening, which you're probably not, whatever, he, <laughs> you know that you can say something to him, and he knows that you're, what you're saying makes sense, but he's like, no, that's not, that's not real. So I remember one of the problems that I had with him, and I told him this, was, hey man, like, quality of life, you gotta earn quality of life. No, 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 that's not, no, quality of life is not real, whatever, like, no, listen, if you were in the Fleet Marine Corps, right, and this is my, my biggest thing, my biggest gripe with I'm a reservist, so I get confused, right? When you were in the Fleet Marine Corps, you went to work every day at the same time. You went to PT every day at the same time. You had chow every day at the same time, right? Yeah. Nothing changed, okay? But now if Gunnery Sergeant so-and-so came over to you, Platoon Sergeant Jackman, and was like, hey, man, we need this many trucks to get PM. We need this many trucks to get LTI to have the maintenance guys do their job. And then that's when you can go home, right? Yeah. Now, if 1630 rolled around and Gunnery Sergeant so-and-so came outside and was like, hey, Jackman, is my shit done? And you looked at him and were like, no. First of all, you would never say that. That would never have ever uttered out of your mouth to a Gunnery Sergeant. But say you had said that, which you wouldn't say it, but say you had said that, what would he have done? Okay, well, I'm going home. You go back out to the Mosul, get the shit done, call me when it's done. Mm -hmm. Right? Quality of life. Yeah, because you didn't get the job done. Because you didn't get the job done. So unfortunately, here on Marine Corps recruiting duty, there's only one job, and that is to put people in seats and make them Marines, and that's it. So if you don't do your job every day, and that's the problem, is like, and and I can sit here, and I know you can say the same thing, is there is no fucking recruiter. When people say, bro, I was at work all day. No, 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 no. You were at work. At work. You were at work, but you were not working. You do not have the the productivity of somebody who was there for 12 hours. There's no effing way. No, I broke like, down like with, our, with our new guy. I told him, um, I let him do his thing for, for about a month where I was coaching, mentoring, and whatnot. And then I was staying late on Thursday doing the weekly numbers. And I just started cursing under my breath and doing whatever. And he's like, hey, boss, what's up? And I was like, you, motherfucker, you're what's up. Like, you, you, you worked three hours to, today. He's like, what do you, we got here at 8. It's 10 o'clock right now. Like, what are you talking about? I worked three hours. Oh, wow, good. You can do math. And, then, and I broke down 
you know, TCs per hour, DCs per hour, and one AC contact. So he just went out there and, and got lucky real quick. And I was like, all that together, you, you worked for three hours. And then we did for, for the whole week. He came in at 17 hours of work for the week. And I was like, dude, that's, you came to work and, you know, he worked 12 hours a day, eight to eight on a good day. You know, that's Monday and half day, Tuesday. And you didn't come to work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Because, it, you know, so I, so I changed up the schedule a little bit and they need certain, certain milestones throughout the day. Because if, if I, if I tell, or I mean, you can test to it too, you tell a recruiter, you need to get 100 phone calls, five AC contacts, 20 DCs. It's not taking eight hours to make those 100 phone calls. But if you give him all day to do the tasks, it's going to take all day. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I finally broke it down. I was like, by 12, I need this. And at that point after that, once you get three packs, two appointments, mm-hmm. I call them, I validate, I make sure they're, they're real people and they're going yeah. to come in. Um, at that point, it's on me. If, if I talk to them and they don't show up, then I can't be mad at you because it was, you know, I validated it. After that 12 and, and I got my numbers, 3-2, you get it, I'll hold your appointments or your interviews. I'm, I'm, I'm the best one in the office. I'll, I'll sit down and do the work for you so you can go home and see your wife, see your kids. Um, really, really just trying to get them to be that instead of pulling teeth. Yeah. Because they just think that, you know, regardless, they're going to be there all day. Um, but that's, but just, that's, the, that's just the recruiting mindset, though. But that's the, and that's the problem, though. And you know what it is, too? It's like, and I said this to an, an, another aspect, but it's like, so here's, I, I'm here, I'll just say it. So when you get out to the fleet Marine Corps, there's a staff sergeant who has his nice little recruiting room and all that. And you find out you got histed. And then you're like, hey, staff sergeant, how was it? Bro, it was the worst three years of my life. Get ready to hate your life. Okay, you're a staff sergeant. Why are you telling a Marine that this is going to be the worst thing ever? Because in his eyes, it should be a good thing to be doing. And you're told the whole career it's going to be a great thing. And now all of a sudden, it's like it's not. So now you're already putting this negative mindset in this guy's head. Now, after all that goes on, the kid goes through BRC, sorry, the Marine, goes through BRC, checks into his, you know, his RSS, and the first thing the most senior sergeant says, or senior staff sergeant says, hey, bro, get ready to have no life and hate your life. <laughs> and now he's just in, it, immediately day one, he's already indoctrinated into, okay, well, I'm going to work here every single day. But the problem is, is that if you look at other stations across the state, bro, there are stations who don't work Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. They are. Because they work hard as fuck Monday to Thursday. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I'm not going to sit here and be naive. They also have easy as fuck stations. Because we all know that there's some places, bro, where you could be a paraplegic and you'd be a good recruiter. Yeah, especially like, if they have a, a Marine and the ROTC. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, that guy. But, uh, you know, and that and that's the thing, man, is I think a huge problem is just the, the word. It's just like, you know, like, like, when, when I have, you know, Lance Corporal Reservist, and I say reservist because there's a very big difference. So I have Lance Corporals who have bachelor's degrees and who are CEOs of their own company. And when they check in to drill, they're the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever met. And then I'm like, <laughs> bro, just because you put a uniform on and Lance Corporal chevrons, now you're an idiot? And they're like, duh. And I, I feel the same way. It's like, bro, these people who did rock star things in the Fleet Marine Corps come out on recruiting duty, and now all of a sudden they're like, I don't know what to do. I think that, I think they get wrapped too much around, you know, recruiting. Um, yeah. And I, I had a talk with, with some of the, the 8412s about that. Is you, know, you just you get wrapped up around the steps because that's the first thing they teach you in BRC is this is how you speak to people. Yeah. 
Instead of just talking to them. Yeah, um, instead like, of just having a normal fucking conversation. Like I described, like when you first came off the tours and, and I, uh, at All Hands, I still remember we did All Hands in the uh, in the theater. Yeah. Or the chapel or the theater. Yeah, the theater. Yeah. Um, and that's basically what you told us. You were like, hey, just talk. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you get an appointment or a pass or if they like you, they're going to forget yeah. about you in 20 minutes anyways. Just yeah. talk fucking to them. Talk to them. So I tell people now, because they ask me how recruiting duty is, like when I do leadership seminars and stuff like that for, for the students, I was like, it, it's, it's awesome. I get paid to work out. I talk trash to, to you guys out here on the, on, the, on the field right now, yeah. working out together. I get to paid to, to work out and really just talk trash, realistically change people's futures, yeah. find out. Even if they don't join, you know, you sit down, you, you learn a little bit more about college and, you know, my story, yeah. tips that, that I would do, even yeah. if you don't. And you have people reach back out to you and just say, hey, thank you. Yeah. Like, people who never join, but they still know you. Like, bro, I'm in the gym all the time. I don't know how many people know that I have time. Well, I just didn't make the time. (laughs) So, I'm in the gym here in Howell all the time. And I have people who I met years ago come up to me. Hey, bro, what's going on? How have you been? Parents of kids that I sat down with who never joined the Marine Corps that come up to me and talk to me. And and that's the thing. And, like, I'm not, there's this guy. He just had a Facebook status up, um. He, I guess he made a TC, and I'm going to have him on the podcast to talk about it, but I guess he made a TC, and, you know, I started the conversation off with his mom, and mom was pretty much just like, she kind of laughed, but giggled, I guess, and she he was like, oh, well, ma'am, I don't, I don't know, you know, was there a reason why you're laughing? And she's like, oh, well, my son's physically disabled. He, he could never be a Marine. And he was like, lo and behold, finds out more about the kid, you know, says to the mom, hey, you know, I'd love to bring a t-shirt to the house and just meet your son. Long story short, he goes out, meets his son, takes a picture with him in his wheelchair, and now it's viral on Facebook. And my the reason why I'm bringing that up is just because like you hear so many people talk so much shit about recruiting duty, and it's like, bro, you could have been a positive influence, and you chose not to be. You yeah. chose you chose to be mad about the time you were out there. You like when people say I didn't gain anything from it, I'm like, bro, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I can't believe you for a moment. Because there's people who've left recruiting duty who've decided just to get out of the Marine Corps because they now can go make 200 some odd thousand dollars a year just based off of what they learned on recruiting duty. Like my boy Stanley, who like literally is now, you know, killing it and real and being a realtor. You know, other people I know or whatever, sales period. Look at me. I, you know, I don't, I'm not making a lot of money, but I, I started at $65,000 a year and I don't have a bachelor's degree and all I have is four years of recruiting duty. And you're going to say, oh, it did, it did shit for me? No, 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 no. You just did shit for the Marine Corps. Yeah, and you, you didn't even make cold calls either. You, you, you reach out to people that are interested in, yeah. in your product. <laughs> yeah, it's insane, bro. It's crazy. But, you know, the th- and that's the thing, man, is that people just come out here with such a negative mentality. And and that's the thing about you guys, like Tom's River, when you, go, when you were in that station, is that you guys, you... And maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but from what it looked like from the outside looking in is that you, you were all a family mm-hmm. and you guys, you were working, but it was to the point where like you didn't have to work so hard that you hated working. Yeah. We, I mean, we worked hard cause we, cause we had to, um, especially when, when G came and took over, we knew going in that he wanted to drop a 12 package. So we knew that like everything had to be tight. Point, like when you know when the family needs you you're gonna, you're gonna do everything you can so we you know we, we buckled in and you know we just grinded it out we, we did everything we could um, even to the point where when his contract expired and 
just show up to work without a paycheck. Uh, we pull we pull money together just to keep them going just because that's what I mean that's what family does. Yeah. Uh, luckily, everything's on back pay. Everything's good now. And through the hard work, I mean, there's we got a 12 packet submitted. It's just sitting there in review right now, waiting to get accepted. Yeah. But yeah, Tom's River. Tom's River was weird because it was it was a family. Yeah. And that's and that's what it is, man. That's like to try to explain to people, bro. Is that like your whole? And that's why I'm so against the whole individual duty thing, because your whole entire Marine Corps career, you're always taught about a family. You're taught about a platoon, a company, a battalion. You're taught family. We are a family. Now all of a sudden, for the first time ever, hey, this is an individual duty. It's not because if you act like it's an individual duty, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Like you're miserably. And that's the thing, like, you know, like, when I, the first office I was ever a part of, we were a very close-knit family, to the point where, like, you know, people would say, hey, man, you know, I'll get this meds run tomorrow, because I already have two kids, I just got it, don't worry about it, or the boss, or whatever, and it became, or, like, hey, you know what, man, I know that you haven't really seen your family, go deal with your family, I'm gonna write more this month, so you have that time, and it became that, it was like, hey, I got this month, you got this month, and it just became a family-oriented thing, where we were all together in a family. And that's the problem is a lot of offices just forget that we're a family. Yeah, they just grind, 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 and then the amount of shit you you can see those those stations aren't. I mean, they're not as as successful as those those stations that bond and remember that you know it, it is a family, it, it's a team. Mm-hmm. What I'm lacking, you have a strength in. You know, it's something I never thought about until literally just now. You also are in an office of four to five people who come from all different walks of the Marine Corps. Yes. So they're all different type, because there's no one type of leader. Like, we're Motor T, so we, you know, kind of have the same core values. But you, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I definitely agree with it because I'm saying it. But there's people who, like, the air, um, like, air guys, anyone that has to do with the airfield or whatever you want to call them, like, they're very air air wing uh, yeah those 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 bubbles (laughs) you know they're very different people yes like very laid back they don't really yell and they work uh one big thing because i didn't have any well i had um that's our eboc when i was in tom's river and uh, and alan but they like to say osha a lot like osha regulations because that's what they do on the air wing side Mm -hmm. so certain set hours certain things this is what you need to get the job done and then when you come out on recruiting duty and you find out that you know it's when I first got out here it was seven in the morning, zero seven to midnight. Yeah. Was what we were working. And there was big stink about how they you can't drive like this, you're gonna be tired, this, that and the other. And it's like OSHA is not easy, brother. <laughs> like you get your work done and go home. Doesn't matter if it's you get everything done by ten in the morning. Go home. Yeah. That's a, and that's the thing, man, is that I think a huge part of it is just time management. And people preach this, they say this. But, like, I don't know about you, but did anybody ever sit down with you and actually talk to you about how to actually fill out an SNR, how to actually legitimately build a plan? Not until last plan. <laughs> we, we've actually, and you've we've been, actually done it. And you've been on a recruiting for how long? Almost three years. Almost three years. Yeah, no one like, ever, like, sat down and was like, hey. Or the importance of it. Because yeah. literally everyone tells you, oh, hey, man, you're not going to do what you write anyway, so just yeah, throw it in there so it's in there. Yeah, check the box and but, then go. Yeah. But if you really legitimately think about it, if you were to actually plan out your day, it would actually go. Like when people say, oh, I hate and pray. 
Chris, or if you actually use McChris for what McChris is supposed to be used for, it would actually really make your life a lot easier. Like updating, you know, your Tickle strings and stuff like that. It's like, the, the thing really does work, but no one wants to use it for what it's supposed to be used for. Yeah, especially this, like, the working file. Yeah. Like, you're going to forget, I have a recruiter right now, he's got 218 stacks in a working file. And I think 80 of them right now are set to expiration. So that's, he's on leave right now, so that'll be when he comes back. But that's, you know, 80 people that he's going to forget about. Yeah. And then he's going to well, talk about how hard the duty is. Oh, yeah. you got 80 dudes. Bro, you know, so what's, what's funny is talking about that. So my, my job, they don't do that. They don't do follow-ups. So I've had about seven or eight people enroll. And literally, the only way I got them, and I said this to one of the, one of the, like the one, he's not really my supervisor, but he's the senior rep, and he was like, oh, how'd you find so-and-so? So I found this guy the day of. We had one seat open. I found this guy the day of. And literally, I was like, hey, can we get him packaged and good to start class tomorrow morning? And they were like, yeah, we can. doesn't normally happen like that, but we can if you can make it happen. So what I did was is I had been talking to this dude for the past, like since I started. But every single time I would talk, I would hit him up. He'd be like, hey man, Wednesday at three o'clock, I'm good. So Wednesday at three <laughs> o'clock, what do you think I was doing? Calling, hey bro, you good? Oh dude, something came up, da da da. So fine, and I, and I kept hitting him up. Like, Cause he kept telling me he was good at this time. So, so yeah, so I kept following up with him. Dude, literally, the night this happened, I called him, I was like, hey listen man, we have a class opening tomorrow. We have one kid drop that has your name on it. I can get you in the class right now. I just need to go through all the stuff. You need to come in the office right now. And we can do everything. You can be in the class starting tomorrow. I was like, I'll get everything done for you. You'll be good. And he's like, all right, word. I'm on my way. And then I've done this now like five or six times. And they're literally like, you know, you, you know, you really, your follow is really good. And I'm just like, well, why wouldn't it be? If someone just says they're not ready right now, Circumstances are going to change, and maybe a month from now they're going to be ready. And if you just call them and say, "Hey, how's things going with school? So and so is everything better now? Are you ready now?" Now they're going to be like, "Oh shit, this guy actually remembered what was going on." And hey, here I am. Meanwhile, all the rest of these people are calling the same three thousand people they've already called, and that have said no three thousand times. But you won't call back the guy who said, "Just give me a couple days." Like, yeah, it's almost like they're they're. Expecting no from, or, or hopefully they won't answer on those other, those other names. Oh, dude, that's a huge thing. But they've already hit, you know, I'm not interested by this one, so they know it's like that psychological, like they don't want to go through that, that pain of hearing no again, so yeah. it's like, ah, oh, you know, he said a month, and then next thing you know, that's six, seven months down the road, you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I, I forgot about this guy, and then this opportunity already knocked, and yeah. he took that opportunity and went somewhere else. Yeah. And, it, and it's like you said, man, people are just afraid of the unknown. People are just afraid of what's going to happen. Or, and that's a huge thing about it, man. Like, like Durkee. That's one of the reasons why Durkee, like, Durkee wasn't good. Like, I had to explain this to him one day because he was like, bro, I'm not good. I was like, no. Like, Durkee, <laughs> you were never good. Like, you were never good. You just, you just shot so many shots that they had to go in. Like, it, and that's what it was, man. He talked to everybody and anybody. <laughs> he, bro, he handed out every single, bro, he would pay for his own business cards and, and hand out thousands of business cards. 
found one today at my, at my barber shop. I sent him a picture of it. I was like, yo, he's gone. He's like, oh, it's all right. But, it, and that's the thing, man. It's like, there, he, bro, he would talk to people who would never in their life be qualified. But he was like, hey, if you know somebody who might know somebody, here's my business card. You know, and it's crazy, man. But we've definitely gone on a crazy tangent. Um, but I just want to thank you for, for coming out, really just coming out and just sharing your story because I feel that you know, having conversations like this are going to help the people out there who are either on recruiting duty somewhere in the Marine Corps or just, you know, just recently got out of the Marine Corps and now they're not, you know, they don't have the camaraderie, they don't have that sense of worth. Um, so a lot of people deal with that. But um, I just really wanted to thank you for coming out, man. And, uh, you know, do you have any last words that you want to part with us? Absolutely. Um, no, just a, a big thing is you're not going to hear anything that we talked about the whole time. Um, if you need help, go find it. Um, my Instagram, SGT underscore Jackman. I'm always on it. Uh, so if you have any questions, you want advice, um, you just want to get something off your chest, you know, you're out now. You don't have that camaraderie, that, that esprit de corps or anymore. Just reach out, drop me a line. Um, we'll talk for a little bit. I'm always on social media. Hey, go get the motherfucking help if you need it. And even if you don't think you need it, you probably need it.